Hello, welcome to this unofficial podcast. This is just a trial run. We're just fucking around. This is Ray's Omoplata Soup. I am joined by the Cole Henry and so. the notorious Brandon the Troops. What up, what up? Gentlemen, we are days away from UFC 241. What the fuck happened? Um, I'll be honest. The first few fights on the card started off kind of slow with decisions, you know? And I was like, please don't let this, you know, be a flat card. And then uh, it turned up and, and never turned down again. That shit was wild. Yeah, a couple of good fights, though. Um, on the prelims, a lot of decisions, though. A lot of the, the, the first six, I think, were decisions. You're right. You're right. It was looking to be one of those cards, man. Like, it it was so stacked. Like, everyone was so hyped. And then, you know, although the six fights were entertaining, from my point of view, I know a lot of people weren't really feeling, uh, oh, Hannah Cyphers and whatnot, but I thought even that fight was kind of scrappy towards the end. No, I uh, thought she did good. I thought uh, King and Davis was a good fight. I thought Kenny and Bermudez was good. Man, the Bermudez close fight was pretty was good. Very dude. frustrating. Yeah. Yeah, he. I expected him to win that fight, but uh, I just, Casey it just, Kenny. yeah, it just seemed like he never got like in the second gear. I, I don't know. It was weird. It's like he kept thinking that something was going to come, and it just never came. And I don't know. He kind of just lost that decision. That was disappointing for sure. Yeah. No. I. Uh, you're right. That was probably the most disappointing performance of the night, if you ask me. But it could have just been kudos to Kenny, because he threw a lot of interesting looks at Manny Bermudez. I didn't realize how good at judo Casey Kenny would be. And, man, he was tossing the shit out of Manny, like, all over that mat. Uh, he didn't make, he didn't let Manny sit into any kind of comfortable positions. And, and if he you was know never, anything, yeah. He was never in trouble when he got on top on the mat. He was right. never in any bad positions, really. Right. Casey Kenny looked more like a, almost like a wrestler, if you ask me, but with the judo uh, techniques, you know, where as wrestlers, they kind of clash, they go ahead, they never really stop. Casey Kenny was kind of that guy where Manny Bermudez was more trying to play that jujitsu angle where, you know, they say keep it playful where it didn't really work out for him this time. Anytime he couldn't get the finish, Casey Kenny would escape and end up land in an advantageous position. And he was nullifying the stand-up game. Yeah, and uh, if I remember correctly, Bermudez had a pretty big size advantage, too, which you didn't really notice it too, too much. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's huge, huge for uh, bantamweight. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, what they said, because uh, this fight was in California, California did not like this dude fighting that bantamweight. So they made it a catchweight fight. That's right. I can only remember that happened in one other time. I think it was like a Heenan Burrell fight. They uh, moved it up five pounds at the last minute. Don't remember who we fought, though, for that one. Right. Right. What'd you guys think about uh, Corey Sanhagen? Uh, that was a good fight, man. Um, I really thought Asansa was going to win that fight, so mm -hmm. he definitely surprised me with uh, 
I knew he was going to be aggressive and I knew he's, he's technical and, and can move, but I just thought a Sun South experience was going to uh, overcome it. And I thought Corey Sanhagen did a good job, even when it went to the mat. So it was uh, crazy. Yeah. Good all around performance. Very impressive. Yeah, I pretty much had the same thoughts. I, uh, I, I like Sanhagen. They look good or he's pretty much looked good in everybody's had so far, but, uh, a Sun South is just one of those dudes that pretty much beats everybody except, like, the absolute cream of the crop. So uh, I, I kind of thought that a Sun South would win, too. But it was, it was pretty evident, uh, you know, pretty early on that San Hagen's for real. No, San Hagen is really starting to come into his own, man. And I was on your guys' same mindsets. I was like, you know, Rafael Asanso is going to come in, outclass his guy. He He's a newly found American top team trainee. So, you know, he spent a lot of time, you know, wondering about the game plan and the IQ going into this fight. And, man, Corey Sanhagen at 12-1, and we can't really doubt him anymore, right? No, he's super – he's just super creative. You know, he kind of reminds you of like a a Tony Ferguson type guy just in the sense that he might be in a standard position, but uh, you never know what he's going to do to get out of it or to advance from there. So uh, he's exciting and uh, he's, he's definitely good. Right. Yeah, right. I, I'd like to see him. I'd like to see them match him up with somebody uh, who's going to be more aggressive than the Sunsau. Sunsau waits a lot. I'd like to see mm-hmm. him against uh, Pedro Munoz type fighter uh, mm-hmm. next, or Algerman Sterling, who throws a lot of strikes. Um, somebody yes. who can match his pace a little bit, and mm-hmm. I'd like to see how he does that. Yeah, no, one thing that kind of stood out to me when he was fighting Asan Sao is that he was so much longer than Asan Sao. And that didn't really show on the statistics. But when you, when you, I saw them in there, he just, maybe it was just the style he was fighting out. You know, I'm not a striker. Brandon, you probably could tell me a little bit more about that. But I don't know anything about how he made himself so long in there. Was it just the switching of the stances, you guys think? Well, I mean, at 5'11, he's already. A really tall bantamweight fighter. I mean, he's my height, and he fights about three divisions under me. Right, right. <laughs> so, yeah, he is a really big bantamweight. I think size-wise, like Algernon Sterling could probably handle him a little bit better. I mean, a Sun South short. He's only five six. Mm. So, mm-hmm. um, I think that played a lot into it because the Sun South's used to being able to counter. Uh, and he just couldn't do it uh, on fight night. He he couldn't counter, even though Sanhagen was aggressive. Uh, the counters just wasn't coming in. Right. Now, before we move on to the main card, we really can't move on to the main card before talking about the only guy that gave us a finish on the prelims. He was a Short debut fighter. Short notice. How did he do it? Uh First off, the, the knockout was awesome. My favorite part of that whole performance, though, was when he got on the mic post-fight and, like, apologized to Devontae Smith. But he was like, you're young. I'm 34. I need to win now so I can get this money. I just thought that was pretty funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, Devontae, what's that? That's real. That's real. No, he was spitting that real stuff. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I totally I totally got where he was coming from. But uh, as far as the fight, you know, Smith was the biggest favorite on the card. He was like a... Minus one thousand favorite, yeah. And uh, it was interesting because it kind of seemed like they weren't going full speed early on, and uh, or they weren't necessarily committing on a lot of their punches. And then I was kind of surprised when the knockout came because you could hear 
uh, Worthy's corner was hollering at him to to. I forget exactly what they were saying. They did some glove touch. They did like some glove touch, and they were saying, "Don't do that" or something like that. Yeah, you know, and you hear that, and uh, then like a minute later, he just KOs him. So uh, that was a that was an awesome performance for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a nice uh, short left hook over Devontae's uh, jab. I think it was. It was just a mm-hmm. good, good short punch. And uh, it, early on, you could tell that they trained together and that they mm-hmm. were just kind of filling it out. But uh, yeah, that was a really good performance. I think uh, good debut to be the uh, be an underdog and come away with a first round knockout. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Like he's like I said, he uh he put a stamp on the prelims and uh made it more interesting to go into the main card, which uh you know w- led us off with the Derek Brunson Ian Heineck fight. Man, I don't know what to take away from this fight. I think it's just more Derek Brunson doing Derek Brunson shit. Uh, I like Derek Brunson, but uh, I don't always like his fights. He's from North Carolina. That's where I met. So I try to root for him and Hannah as well, who was who we talked about earlier. But um, yeah, it's he's hard to watch sometimes. <laughs> it's tough to watch, man. He had a pretty interesting slam, didn't he? Like lift old boy up and slammed him. So that was that was pretty good. Derek Brunson's yeah, got some good the, grappling. The switch head kick he got hit with in the first round was probably the best highlight of the fight. Oh yeah, what's up with the comb over though? Why is it? <laughs> what is he doing out here, man? It was pretty funny. He he was he was balding in the cage. I guess he heard people talking about it. Ah, oh, yeah, this this needs to end today, Derek. God, just cut it bald, bro. You won't look that bad. You probably look good with the ball. He's just holding on to the hair. He's got yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah. The head kick probably was the highlight of the fight. It, it's interesting though, because if you remember, he had like a six or seven fight stretch where he was knocking everybody out in, like, the first round. He had a really good run there for a little bit. But then he uh, he lost a few, and he had that Adesanya loss, a couple of bad losses. And I think a lot of people kind of wrote him off. You know, Ian Heinish called him out, which, you know, probably thinks he – or probably means that he thought he could get that win. And, um, you know, I think Derek Brunson showed that he's still got something left in the tank, even if it isn't uh, always super exciting. True. Yeah, and, and in that knockout streak, he beat some really good fighters, too. Uh, I mean, he beat Ed Herman. It was Sam Alvey, Uriah Hall, uh, Daniel Kelly, and uh, Leo the Machida as well. That's a nice little list. Yeah, that's a nice little tough fighters on that list for sure. Tough fighters on that list. Well, shit, hey, man, we 10 minutes into this podcast. We getting settled in now. We going into the next fight. KO. Bye. That's your boy? Yeah, that's my man. He's from Maryland. That's where I'm from. So that's your guy. Hey, bro, what's up with Team Lloyd Irvin, man? <laughs> what's going on with that? We, we ain't gotta talk about that. <laughs> why? Why he gotta be doing that? All right, yeah, we not gonna do that on this podcast. Cole, Cole we'll knows. Gotta, we'll gotta get, he knows we'll I'm going on a rant. <laughs> the second I saw that he was with Lloyd Irving, I just I instantly thought about you, Ray. I was like, oh, he's fucking hot right now. Oh, know. bro, you know I was screaming at the TV. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, a lot of people hate on people that's coming from Lloyd Irving's camp. But yeah. really, it's the, only, it's the only legit place to train if you live in Maryland or, or Virginia. It's the only real place you're going to get the best jujitsu, the best MMA training. You know, if you're a pro, you, you, you lay there for free, 
you know, shouldn't be like that. Though. It should not, it should not be the a, case. I understand it is, but it should not be. That the is, case. it is interesting to hear that perspective, though. I didn't. No, I, I get didn't, it. I didn't realize that down here, down here in Louisiana. I didn't. Uh, you know, I didn't know that there weren't other gyms. But that is interesting. I, yeah, I, I mean, there's wondered. other gyms you can train at, but, but it's, it's not, not the same level, especially yeah. not of grappling. Like you can get some good Muay Thai, and you can get a lot of good boxing in Maryland, but. Maryland's more of a boxing state, and it's you're, you're going to get boxing, or if you want to do jujitsu, it's best to be at Lloyd Irvin's camp. Definitely makes a little more sense why guys go there now. I'll just, I just can't. I'll never be able to. Uh, <laughs> I just, uh, shit, we just gonna move on to the next fight. Uh, Yoel Romero. Versus Paulo Costa. <laughs> what do you guys think about that? Is it a fight of the year contender? Uh, I think it's fight well, of the year material, but hmm. there's a lot of fights in that conversation. Uh-huh. I uh, I do want to. I know we've moved on, but real quick, shout out to Sodic Yusuf. That was a nice knockout. Yeah, uh, it's great uh, hook counter. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we'll move on. Yeah, I think it's definitely fight of the year contender. I was, uh, I was definitely spilling my drink all over myself that entire fight. So uh, that's how you know it's a good one. That air, that that fight kind of sucked the air out of the whole aura around you, in my opinion. Like you, you could not take your eyes off of the TV. You had to just watch what was happening. Uh, I'm still completely blown away. I am not on the the hype train of all these people thinking that Yoel Romero got robbed. It did not happen. Paulo Costa won the first two rounds. Go. Yeah. Um. Every you could see. You know. Every every second you thought somebody was going to get murked. Like you had to watch that fight intently. But um, I did think Yoel Romero won the fight. But I don't think there's an argument against either man. Like. When they gave it to Costa, I wasn't going to argue because it was that close, in my opinion. And I, I don't even need to see a rematch, although who wouldn't want a rematch? But I think Pasta, uh, Paulo, Paulo Costa should get the um, title shot, and I think Romero should fight uh, Gastelum. Mm. Yeah, I uh, I agree for the most part. I mean, I, I, like I said, I, I think that Costa did win, but I don't really understand people saying that it was a robbery. It was just one of those fights that was super, super, super close. And people, uh, you know, they love Yoel Romero. So I think there's a little bit of bias there because I, I just think it's one of those fights where I wouldn't have been disappointed either way. Um, it was a great fight. I, I think that uh, whoever got the decision, it would have been fine. Um, I, I will be honest, kind of watching the fight, I felt like Romero was winning, but when it was all said and done, I felt like it was going to be Costa's fight. So I, I don't know. It, it was just so close. Yeah, it was a wild fight. And uh, I think people use robbery uh, loosely today. Very. But y- yeah, definitely. Very loosely. I uh, personally, you know, Yoel is he's, he's 42, man. He just got paid a big chunk of change. Why he got to be fighting? You got to fight him, man. <laughs> you kind of gotta, but I know. But when you got this money, and you're not—that's not your motivator anymore. And like I said, you're getting a little bit older in age. You just lost a close decision. You're taking a step back in the rankings. What do you do? Like, what do you do? Because 
You know, at this point, think, he's not going to be able to work his way up to a title shot for at least another year, maybe a year and a half, two years. Depends on who the champ uh, is, though. If Whitaker yeah, lose think, to Alessandra or if, if Paulo Costa win the title, Yoel could be right back in it with a win like, or two. He's, that's, he's got to fight two more times. That's That's two... More fight camps that last four months long, at least. Uh, I, I think with Yoel, you know, if you listen to him that time he was on the Joe Rogan podcast, he, he, it was pretty evident that he's just competed and trained for competition just his entire life. So uh, it's probably just what he's into. You know, it's what he does. So uh, as long as he's capable of fighting, he probably will. I mean, I guess if, if it was about the money, he definitely could have retired. Or he could have come in 10 pounds over or anything. But uh, he showed up in good shape and he put on a hell of a fight with a dude that you know, if you think about it, generally a 27-year-old dude that's as good as Costa is going to beat a dude that's in his early 40s. It's just True. generally the way it goes. You're right. But but, but uh, Romero was just, I mean, in there with him. I, I'll tell you something. My uncle's 42 years old. If he's the same age as Paulo Costa, I mean, as, uh, as Joel <laughs> Romero, I, like, I, I, they seem very different. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think I think Romero could still compete with anybody, man. He 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 went to he went to Cuba. And he competed against a 20-year-old silver medalist in, in Greco-Roman wrestling and had a draw with him. Hmm. So I don't see... I mean, that's... <laughs> he, that's he's that's, still, that's he's an interesting... In yeah, no. Yeah, no. He, just how long can the man do this? He can't keep I mean, doing he, this. For, he, father he, time he, waits he, for no man. He competed really well with a 13-0, and 27-year-old powerhouse who's True. pretty much... I mean, he's he's pretty much going to be the Yoel Romero when Yoel Romero's gone because right. he has the same kind of attributes. And he competed with a younger version of himself and won the decision in a lot of people's eyes, but I think it was, you know, had a very close fight. True. All right. I like that. No, it was it was a great fight, man. That That fight really set the tone. It was like, uh, what was that night? It was almost like the night we got Adesanya Gastelum, and then right after that we got Poirier uh, Holloway, uh, where we kind of get these back-to-back bangers because right after Costa Romero left, we had to get ready for Nate Diaz and Anthony Pettis. What was your guys' biggest takeaway from that fight? I'm disappointed. (laughs) He's mad. Tell me why you mad, man. Why you mad? I'm not a Nate Diaz fan, but no, he looked good, man. Uh, I thought the first round Pettis was doing good, uh, landed that head kick, but apparently the head kick broke his ankle. But he landed that head kick. He uh, he landed the better strikes, and for some reason in that first round, it didn't look like Nate Diaz was taking the punches too well. I thought it was a little, little weird, and he got he went for a takedown and got it, and that was also strange. I didn't expect that from Nate at all. But um, in the second round, he, he he picked it up. He went from there and just never slowed down after that. Man, no, Nate Diaz, he showed some massive, massive improvements, in my opinion, bro. Like, he, Nate Diaz has always been known for his, his pace, if in my opinion. A lot of people confuse his pace for his pressure. Last night, he or this past Saturday, he showed pressure. He showed high IQ pressure. He was standing in the pocket, 
but constantly putting Pettis on the back foot the entire time. And that's something that he wasn't doing before. He would he would Matt he would uh put this pace on guys where he would hit them with these combos and be in and out, but he's he would always stay in the pocket. This time he was backing Pettis up against the cage. And I don't know if that's just uh, uh, a clash in matchups because of that happened because Pettis does kind of move around a lot. But man, uh-huh. Nate Diaz was constantly moving forward and Pettis wiltered to that pressure eventually. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, that, that's kind of just been the way to beat Pettis. Uh, I, I, myself, I kind of thought, you know, anytime Nate Diaz fights a guy, it always seems like one of the logical things he would want to do is, is try to target his legs because they're, you know, he just doesn't really check kicks a lot. He just kind of plunges forward. And um, so I kind of thought that maybe Pettis would try to do that a little more than he did. And uh, he, he just he didn't do much to keep Diaz off of him, and he basically just fell in. You know, you look back at like, the Michael Johnson fight or the Donald Cerrone fight. It wasn't as bad, obviously. But if you let Diaz charge forward, it's just very difficult to, to beat him. And, right. um, and it is wild to think, you know, Diaz, he has fought at lightweight. And he's a decent-sized welterweight. But Anthony Pettis, I mean, he, he fought at 145 before. I know he struggled to get there. But uh, I just I don't really know what to take away from it because it, it was a welterweight fight between two guys that you know maybe you're better at lightweight I don't know I mean that, that's a different argument we could have but um anyway I think Diaz comes away from it in a really good position to uh, I, I guess you know maybe end up with the Masvidal fight or who knows yeah uh, late kicks is definitely a must if you're gonna fight either one of the Diaz brothers uh, sl- it slows down their their forward pressure but um Pettis said he broke his foot on his on that head kick in the in the first round and I, I'm thinking that might be why he didn't throw as many leg kicks uh Nate Diaz did check a couple of them as well so credit for actually checking kicks in this fight he did um, yeah yeah he, he looked, there was a couple of them he, he, he did, did look better I mean he really did look like he'd improve and, and also that's a good point about the broken ankle on Pettis you just mentioned that I've already forgotten it <laughs> yeah. I think out of uh Anthony Pettis's nine current losses he has broken some part of his body in all nine of those fights. How undurable can you be as a fighter? Yeah, it's, it's a bad look. Um, he's he's going to have to do something. To, you know, I don't know what you can do to make your bone density any better, but he just breaks something every fight, it seems. Yeah, man, maybe work on your technique. I don't know. Throw better drink, punches drink or something. Drink milk. Because, <laughs> man, yeah, he's milk kicking... Is key. He's kicking the wrong part of the body, or he's hitting wrong. I've heard boxers like critique well, the way he punches. Yeah, and I mean, you want to land with the shin when you're kicking. If you're landing with the ankle, you know that's a problem. Yeah. But you can't really control that. You know, if Diaz was moving away. He was throwing the head kick. Happens sometimes. Yeah, um, man. You're right. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, there's better fighters than Anthony Pettis. You know, a lot. Anthony Pettis had a lot of hype off of that knockout of Wonder Boy, as he should have. But if you look at the last few years, performance-wise, he's not been at his best. Low and key, even in that fight, he was getting even, fucked up. Yeah, Go ahead. Even in the Wonder Boy fight, I mean, he, the first round he looked okay against Wonder Boy. The second round, he was getting pieced up so bad, and then he just landed that punch and and, and slept him. So right. you know, I think uh, this was a good performance from Nate Diaz. You know, we'll see if if he gets that Masvidal fight. We'll see what he looks like there. I think uh, Masvidal, on the other hand, it has been having the best performances of his career, unlike mm-hmm. Pettis. So 
if he can look good against Masvidal, there's nothing anybody can say. I think that that fight is a championship contender fight. Uh, I just it gives me that sense that whoever wins that fight is going to get the next title shot. It has to be. Nate, I don't know if Nate wants to fight for the title though. He, he doesn't seem interested when they ask him about it. And sure. I mean, rightfully, I, he probably doesn't want to fight a style matchup like Usman, who's definitely going to take him down and and be on top of him. He I would like to see him. that though, because Nate Diaz has that that Brazilian Jiu Jitsu high level Brazilian Jiu Jitsu background. He's actually yeah, got some but, pretty slick takedowns. But if you if you watch his fights, especially at 170, people are able to, to ragdoll him and control him. You know, Rory McDonald, Dung Hyun Kim, mm-hmm. uh, guys like that. They, and, and he might be a little bit, you know, improved from these fights, but we just haven't seen him against a, a wrestler of that level. Right. Uh, but it seems like when people, you know, a strong wrestler who can who can out muscle him gets mm-hmm. him down, they seem to be able to control him and not get in any bad positions. Uh, ben Henderson did it. Mm-hmm. Dos Anjos did it. Uh, Clay Guida, you know. I feel so that. So, uh, it's got slick jujitsu, but I think maybe he should try to use it to to uh, scramble and get up instead of trying to go for submissions because a guy like Usman, he's going to be hard to catch. I think, I think I, I've caught myself almost getting ahead of myself. Because, like, yeah, Nate Diaz just fought this past Saturday, but this could just be the illusion of Nate Diaz, man. He may not even really be back. <laughs> you know what Another I mean? Three years off. You know, like, he may not even really be here. I just don't know. I'm not, I'm, like, although, yes, I just saw him in the cage, I'm not 100% sold that he's still in the UFC. I just don't get it, what, is, what he's done to me mentally. Uh, well, I, I guess, you know, there is no guarantee. I mean, I, you don't kind of have a point. I mean, I guess just because he fought this past weekend doesn't mean he's going to agree to fight again in any reasonable amount of time. I mean, unless, you know, I feel like he, unless he gets exactly what he wants, he very well might just be like, no, nah, I'll go run some marathons. And, True. You know. Yeah, man. It sounds like he's actually made a few uh, successful business endeavors uh, on his part. Yeah, he's a fascinating dude for so many reasons. Like, he, it's like on the surface, he just seems like he's a total moron. But then when you get, you know, when you get through the layers, it's like he seemed, both Diaz brothers seem like they're, uh, that seem like they know what they're doing. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, you're right. Well, uh, on that note, we will go ahead and move on to the main event of the evening. Go ahead, Brandon. What happened? Uh, that's a good fight, man. That was. I'm not a big heavyweight fan. It's not a. It's not a division I get excited about. But that was one of. That was probably the best heavyweight fight I've ever seen. Uh, it's up there for sure. It's going to be top five heavyweight fight I've ever. I've ever seen. Um, yes, I agree. I think early on, man, Daniel Cormier was. Uh, he was. He had his foot on. Uh, on Stipe Miocic's neck. Um, oh. First round, Stipe looked terrible. After that first round, I was thinking, like, this is over already. And I, right. I picked Stipe to win, so right. I was feeling a little bad about it. Okay. <laughs> round, uh-huh. round two, they was, uh, it was a brawl in round two. And I think Cormier took round two as well. But uh, just each round, you could see Stipe getting better every yeah. round. And yeah. then in that fourth round, when he found that hook to the body, Lord. the beginning of the Tell end, me about man, that left hook. 
one of the most beautiful uh, left hooks to the body you'll see Jesus. in MMA. I couldn't believe it. I honestly couldn't believe it. And every time you, every time he threw it, you'd hear this slap on DC. It's just like, it was, it was nasty. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And he was just throwing it out there so effortlessly. It was so, like he wasn't so even he trying. To, just like, he's just putting his game a lot more. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that was something one of his coaches told him, you know, in that third round uh, intermission. But whoever gave him the idea to throw that left hook to the body, man, go ahead. You just earned your guy a championship for the second time. Yeah, I um, I thought it was interesting because uh, you know, in the early round or the early the first round, he got taken down and he could not get up at all, and it kind of. You know, at one point I was thinking, you know, in that first fight he got KO'd in the first round. He demands the rematch, thinks he can beat Cormier. And then in the rematch, it looks like he's, you know, at least in the early part of the fight, it looks like he's about to get outclassed. And it's just like, oh, that's, that's got to hurt for Stipe. And then it's like at some point the, the tide just started to turn a little bit. And um, I, it's still surreal, like, watching the replay of Cormier go down like that. I mean, I know he lost to Jones, but that's, that's Jones. Um, and, you know, I, I picked Stipe as well, but I, I – I don't know. I, I didn't honestly expect to be right. And uh, <laughs> I, I Part still. Of me. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's still hard to process it because I'll be honest. Like, I, I, I like Stipe, but I just thought that he was a step or two below Daniel Cormier. I, I just didn't think he would beat him, and especially not that way. I mean, to survive, he, he survived a lot of shots from Cormier. You know, he seemed tired at a few points, but he. Uh, got a second wind or a third wind or whatever. And then that fourth round was spectacular. And then the final thing, you know, I think Brandon said earlier, he doesn't normally look forward to heavyweight fights. The thing is, I normally do, but I'm usually disappointed by them. And this one was uh, definitely lived up to the hype. Yeah, dude. They were fighting like middleweights in there. Uh, but they both came in really light. Um, I will say one thing about the way Daniel Cormier went down. And this is not like any kind of slander in any way but it almost looked like he wanted dc or stipe to win at that point uh he that's just the best way i could put it maybe he ran out of gas but it was almost like he just was like i'm out uh, you mean like he took the way out when it was there i mean i don't know maybe it was all the, the accumulation of body shots i've never been hit in the, in the stomach seven times you know I mean? See, that's what I, I think he's just never gassed quite like that in a fight before. Yeah, I, I've never, I can't sit here and say I've ever taken body shots like that. Maybe that just does something to your your whole demeanor and your mental game. But I it, think uh, it's, a, it's a little bit of everything. You know, I think he was tired. Like a lot of people were complaining, like, why didn't he just wrestle? Right. He was tired. That's why he didn't wrestle. It's a lot easier to throw punches than it is to shoot for takedowns. Right. So. He was tired, and, and you could tell by the fact that he wasn't wrestling anymore. He wasn't moving his head as well. Like He was already tired, I think, uh, in the fourth round once those body shots started landing. It takes a toll on you. I mean, from experience, for me, headshots rarely hurt me when I'm fighting or when I'm sparring. Body shots are the ones that get you. And those are a lot of body shots from a big dude who can hit. So. Yeah. It's yeah. not surprising that after all that, and, and you know, I don't think he quit, but he was he was backing up, and, and right. he got he got clocked with some more punches, and 
Right. Refs, refs gonna stop it if you can't defend yourself. You're right. You're right. Down. No, that's exactly what it looked like. No, you're you're 100 right. You hit the nail on the head, sir. Uh, I did not mean in any way, shape, or form for anyone listening to this podcast. I did not say that Daniel Cormier quit. <laughs> I just said he. Hey, man, you got hit in the stomach like seven, eight times. You're in the corner. Maybe it's time to just take a little knee. I just don't know. He so, got creamed and he should retire. Y'all see yeah. that article? <laughs> what the hell was that? That's wild. Terrible headline. I, I don't. You could maybe write that somewhere in the article, but don't put that in your headline, man. Yeah, and then terrible. he say he should retire. Come on, because he really honestly has options. This gives I mean, him he was, more options. He was winning. He was winning early. I mean, he just got tired. I think there is one hundred percent hype for the trilogy. Yeah, MMA fans are a, a, a very fickle bunch. Absolutely ridiculous people for the most part. It's like the a guy that's won 30. You know, like when John Jones eventually loses, if that happens, people are going to come out and be like, see, he was never that good. Like that always happens with MMA. Anytime a guy loses, it's like people, no matter what the guy did in the past, people come out and they're like, yeah, I told you he wasn't that good. Just ridiculous. Yeah, I said a long time ago, um, I remember I posted it. I said, um, MMA fans, they overrate anybody who's winning and they underrate everybody who loses. Yeah. <laughs> it's, they, it's, if you lose, you suck. If you win, you're the greatest of all time. It's like Spot right on. away. Like it doesn't matter who you beat. If you're winning, you're the greatest. If you're if you lose to the, the greatest of all time, then you suck. <laughs> no, I agree. I agree. Uh, any other massive takeaways from that event? It was the biggest uh, MMA card in California. What three million over three million they sold? Uh, as far as the gate, I know Dana White was pretty happy about that. Man, we're off for the next week. I mean, I know we got other MMA. What do you know about that, Brandon? Um, there's not a lot going. On. Well, tomorrow Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. Oh yeah, I thought wasn't there some uh uh one FC going on or no? Um, it's not gonna be next week, but uh, yeah, there's one century is coming up, and that's the biggest one of the biggest cards of the year. Oh, oh y'all saw uh, Kyoji Horiguchi got knocked out. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah, what happened? That one, that one hurt me. Yeah, it's just I mean, I don't know. I first of all, it's got to be kind of a hard pill to swallow for Bellator because, you know, you, you send your champ over to Ryzen, Horiguchi beats him, then he comes over to Bellator, beats your champion there, and then he goes back to Japan and gets beat by a dude that, I'm not saying that guy's not really good, he obviously is if he can beat Horiguchi, but he's not a well-known fighter at all, so uh, I guess yeah, that's that guy's solid. Yeah, oh, that guy, sure. that guy's uh, solid, um, but he wasn't even, even over there, they weren't expecting Horiguchi to lose. Yeah, <laughs> Horiguchi and, was uh, looking like the, the the best bantamweight, you know, one yeah. of the best top three maybe bantamweights in the world right now with the way he's been fighting. And that's I think that's one of the downsides to having your champion in a non-title fight. You know, I mean, I know it's good as an attraction, but um, now he's just got this. And I, I guess it sets up a, a rematch for the title, but it's still just kind of an odd, uh, yeah, kind of an odd thing. No, that is weird. Uh, I, I didn't see the fight, but I saw the highlights. That's tough L for the man. But, you know, uh, big ups to the guy that beat him. He uh, hopefully can make a name off of himself uh, with the right management and marketing team. And uh, on the same 
Ryzen 18 card. Shout out to uh, Justin Scoggins, who had a really good win. Looks uh, one of his best performances. He snapped a losing streak. Another Carolina guy, so root for him a little bit. Yeah, he's yeah. got a fun style to watch. Yeah, no, it's it's great. Um, shit, what else we got? Oh, we got uh the next one is the China card. Yeah. What you yeah. what what y'all think about uh old Jessica and Waylay Zhang? I'm gonna just let y'all know right now. I was very critical of this fight announcement. I was a little bit pissed shit. off. As we've gotten closer to the date, I'm not as pissed off, but time heals all wounds. I just, uh, I feel like they might be rushing Miss Waylay Zhang here. I don't think so, man. She's got all the tools. I think um, she has, I think she has an advantage strike, and honestly, she does, she is a little bit open for those hooks that Andrade throws, but her kick game and her distance management is very solid. Um and and she's strong. Uh, Andrade isn't going to be able to muscle her in the clinch like she does everybody else. So I think it's a very interesting fight, honestly. Uh, I just yeah. uh yeah no you go ahead go ahead go ahead. Uh, I, I was just gonna say you know I think Andrade has looked uh good as, really good lately and I mean especially as a strawweight I think her only loss is a strawweight to Yoani and Jacek but uh. You know, in that Rose Namajunas fight, and again, I hate to, to do this, but, you know, she was seemingly losing that fight uh, on the feet until she, you know, hit that pile driver <laughs> or power yeah, bomb, whatever you want to call right. it. But, uh, and my point with that is just that I think, you know, she's kind of a bull, and, and she is good, but, she, you know, she rushes forward. I think that somebody like Zhang, I don't know a ton about Zhang, if I'm being honest. Like, I've never seen her compete before her UFC uh, debut. But from what I've seen, I think, you know, I think it's competitive. Uh, I don't really know what to think about it yet because Zhang hasn't fought anybody quite, you know, like Andrade has. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. And, um, you know, if the, if the odds are right, I'm definitely going to bet on that one. Oh, yeah. No, I'm putting I'm putting the house on Jessica Andrade on this one, baby. Oh, she's going to come in there and put them hands on Waylay Zhang. She's going to show her what it's like. To fight the champion, <laughs> she ain't Waylay Zhang ain't never felt this top even five before. She's number six. I, I, I do, I do think it would be cool. You know, China's never had a a, a major MMA world champion. You know, it'd be kind of cool to see uh, that first happen. But um, Dana White wants it so bad he couldn't even wait. He couldn't even wait for <laughs> this girl to have a legitimate resume. Yeah, I mean, she beat Tisha Torres. That's a good <laughs> win at the Tisha time. Tisha Torres getting beat by won. everybody now. At the time she beat Tisha Torres, it was a pretty good win. But, it uh, was. I remember picking Torres. I mean, I really sure. think I think I think she handled Torres better than Andrade did. You right. Um, but uh, on the co-main event, got to shout out Easy Dos Santos. He's taking on Jing Jing Liang Lee. Uh, yeah. That's a good fight. Easy Dos Santos should win, but it is uh, in Lee's country, and he might be motivated. But Easy Dos Santos, people don't know him. He's one of the best welterweights in the world right now and he's just he keeps getting these kind of fights and he shouldn't he's on a crazy win streak been knocking everybody out it's, it's been pretty ridiculous yeah they're kind of giving him the uh the ponzinibbio treatment they just keep giving him these like mid-level guys and he smashes yeah. them but I thought he's won like six or seven straight and they're not really giving him a, a much of a step up do you guys ever think that has something to do with the the country they're from and yes. like th their travel arrangements and things like that 
uh, how they get like held back a little bit. Uh, definitely for you know a good example yeah. of that is uh, I forget his uh, what is his Mamed Tarasimov uh, or something. Yeah. God, what is his name? Marabek. No, I, you're. I know. You know what I'm talking about. I know yeah, you're he, talking about. He's yeah. won like six or seven straight. He's just flatlining dudes, but he he can't get a visa to the U.S., so he just keeps getting these low-level Marbak Tizamov, I think, is his name. Yeah. But uh, he just can't get you know big fights apparently because of this visa issue, which is a shame because he's a, an exciting guy. That's wild. Um, yeah, I've been I've been pretty critical of the UFC on that front. You know, mm. I've seen it. I'm a, I'm a fan of a lot of Brazilian fighters, so that's yeah. where I see it. You know, I'm sure it happens with a lot of other countries as well. But I see, you know, like uh, Claudio Silva, man, they had they they benched him for a year and a half, and mm. he wasn't injured. He was ready to fight. He was trying to step up on short notice. He was he was willing to step up in a different weight class on short notice. He was just ready to fight, and they right. benched him for a year and a half. And then he was undefeated, ten to zero at the time. That year and a half layoff, he came back, he lost a decision, and he's winning again now. But it was like just a weird thing to have him off that long. Mm-hmm. No, that's that's a man. That's kind of wild how that happens. They should definitely do something better as far as helping these guys get the fights that they need to get to the right spots as far as in the world rankings that they should be. Uh, with that being said. I am not sleeping on Lee Jing Lang at all because I've seen this guy scrap, and I know that he's a gamer. Uh, he's going to be oh, in there. He's powerful. Right, especially he, in his um, home country. He's going to be ready to take on Easy Dos Santos. Wild, wild he's, fighter, man, but he's he's got so much power. And, I mean, not just in his strikes. His slams are powerful. Just everything he does, power. Yeah, and he's, he he showed us in the Jake Matthews fight that if he's losing, he will literally try to claw your eyes out. He don't so give a fuck. So that's <laughs> that's, that's another care. thing. He does not care about your whole life situation. No. And, and now that he's in China trying to fight in the co-main event, give you guys a really nice pop before Weile Zhang comes out. I think he's gonna pull off the upset. He uh he's he's been I mean throughout his UFC career he has been fairly consistent so uh you know I'm definitely looking forward to it but Dos Santos has been uh on a tear for sure oh yeah what do you guys think about I'm just looking down one more one more fight here Derek Krantz Keenan Song because I saw Derek Krantz is like a massive favorite here and I can't really agree with that. No, uh, Keenan Song is um, legit. I think it's a closer fight than uh, than the uh, odds are going to tell you. Yeah, I think a lot of the odds makers are looking at Derek Krantz's wrestling, and I'm looking at Derek Krantz's gas tank. He's flying to China. He is going to be an enemy territory, and man, Keenan Song is. Just as much of a gamer as any of the Chinese guys you're going to see on this on this fight card. Yeah, um, I, you know, the thing about Krantz, I don't know if y'all pay much attention to to LFA, but back when it was uh, Legacy FC, still he was a pretty good welterweight for them, and he would fight in Bozier City, which is a couple hours from me. So I, I would watch a lot of his fights, and uh, he is mm-hmm. a good wrestler, and I believe he has a, a jujitsu black belt as well, but um. You know, I, I can't say that I've seen all of his fights, but you know the way that he gassed in that uh, 
fight against Vicente Luque. He does tend to have that problem. And, you know, on the lower levels, he's still able to win because he's not fighting such good, such good competition. But uh, I agree. Keenan Song's a young guy. He's got a lot of uh, pep in his step, if you will. Um, so if Krantz is the favorite, I am kind of surprised to hear that. He is a, kind of a big, burly guy for, for that weight class. But uh, yeah. his gas tank it seems to always be an issue. Yeah. Uh, according to the statistics here, Keenan should have the height advantage. He's six foot to Derek's five eight. I so, had no idea Keenan Song was that tall. <clears throat> yeah, he's a pretty tall guy. He's a pretty tall guy. Wow. I don't know why. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and I just like I always take into account like the jet lag. I don't know if Derek Krantz is used to you know flying basically to the other side of the planet to fight. And if he's small, nah, he'll get man. there early enough. He's from Marshall, Texas. I promise you he's never been to China. This will be a first time for him. For sure. <laughs> yeah, man. You're clear on the other side of Earth, quite literally. So I just don't understand if he's ready for that. But, hey, man, if you guys got something else, we could wrap this shit up. Ah, shit, I think we covered a lot of it. It was a good show. Man, yeah. Man, I want to thank you guys, dude. I'm glad we got this done. Uh, what's, drop, your, drop your Twitters and whatnot. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at the the Scope MMA. Uh, Might as well be Brandon underscore No Couch N O C A U T E. Yeah, and you can find me at Raise on my plot of soup at Dars underscore Smokes. This is the unofficial podcast. We out of this bitch. <laughs>